Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. It is great to have uh, Pastor Andrew Porterfield with us. Uh, Pastor Andrew came yesterday to kind of talk with our leadership and kind of... uh, uh, kind of give us a bit of a, a push as we're preparing for what God is going to be doing for the next chapter uh, in this church as we go through COVID. And uh, I appreciated him coming and his willingness to come. And, and he came after having, you know, a week at general conference. And so I know that he's busy and I appreciate the fact that he's here to share in the morning service. Let's have a hand together. Pastor Andrew, thank you very much. Well, Good morning. Morning. It's a joy to be with you today. Uh, I really enjoyed yesterday being with your ministry team leaders. It was uh, a casual, somewhat relational, but kind of you know challenged by the restrictions kind of day, and uh, kind of a more workshop feel. This morning will be a little more uh, sermon kind of feel. I hope that's okay with you. If you want the workshop notes, I can give them to you. Uh, afterwards, just come and see me. Uh, I should apologize, Pastor Mike, and to the rest of your team for being uh, just barely here in time for the service this morning. I was uh, enjoying some personal chaos time, and uh, it was just lovely. So uh, it wasn't actually. It was, it was really challenging to be patient, and I've been talking about patience with lots of people lately. So I was standing there at the front desk of the hotel going, Practice what you preach. I was actually saying it under my breath. And uh, so, so my apologies for being late, but uh, here we are. So thankfully, you hadn't got to this part of the service yet because my friend Amanda was going to preach, and that would have been uh, a joy for her, I'm sure. So let's pray, shall we? Lord, in Jesus' name, we honor you today. We especially honor the Lord Jesus Christ, on this Palm Sunday. As we remember that day, just a week or so before the Easter weekend, when Jesus came riding into the city on a donkey, and the crowds worshipped him, and the crowds welcomed him, and the crowds cheered for him. Lord God, I pray that For us today, that would be a foretaste of what it's going to be like in heaven as for eternity we worship the Lord. Give us a taste of that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So my title today is Your Treasure. Uh, Titles aren't my most important part of any message, but I'm, I'm here hoping to help refine the focus of Bethel, to refine the focus and the vision, perhaps. And I'm not going to create a new vision statement for you or a new mission statement for you, but this is what God is calling the church to in these last days. And I want to remind you that we've been walking through a pandemic. Have you noticed that? Anybody? And some of us, we're challenged to keep our eyes 
where they ought to be. Does that make sense to you? So when I was a teenager, I was an athlete. I was hitting the weights. I was filled with confidence in my physical abilities. And my 70-some-year-old grandfather, who had been a farmer his whole life, took me to the international plowing match in Listable, Ontario, where my, I was born, where my parents were, were raised, both on the farm. And my grandfather, I'm sure he was part of this plowing match planning thing because he had special privileges. So after a lot of the big competition stuff happened, there was plowing with teams of horses. Now, there's probably no one here old enough to remember plowing with teams of horses, but that's how it used to be done. And my grandfather had grown up doing it. And so he takes me over to watch this, and he's, my grandfather was lots of fun, by the way. He takes me over to watch this, and then he says to me, not just me, would you like to give that a try, Andrew? Well, I love a challenge. Anybody here like me, you like a challenge? Oh, I was like, absolutely. So my grandfather gave me about 30 seconds of advice on how to operate this single furrow plow behind this team of horses, and I just could hardly hear him. I was so ready to show how I could do this. It looked so easy when the other guys were doing it. So, so I just kind of jumped in, got a hold of that plow, and, well, my furrow across the plowing area was not, shall we say, standard. It was artistic. Now, if you're a farmer, you understand there's no room for artistic when it comes to, to plowing a field. You want straight lines. And my grandfather had said to me, just take a look at that fence post over there and aim for that. Well, when I got a hold of that plow and trying to control those two horses, which were really well trained, it was all I could do to hang on to that thing and look just in front of me where the plow was digging into the dirt and up and down. And it, was, it was a disaster. Now, to, to give me some humility, my grandfather had walked along behind me. We got to the other side of the field. He said, well, that was, that was uh, good, which was not true. And he turned the horses around grabbed the plow, turned the horses around, and just walked across that field like it was a Sunday afternoon stroll, no effort at all, and plowed a perfectly straight furrow to show the young guy how it was done. You're going, why are we talking farming? I'll tell you why. Because I was so busy trying to deal with the immediate and what was happening just in front of my face that I couldn't see where I ought to be going. I never even saw that fence post till I got to the finish line. My grandfather was exactly the opposite. He looked at the target and with very little drama and tremendous effect, took that plow to where it was going. I want us to focus, friends, on our treasure today. Our treasures are not our human rights or our civil freedoms. Our treasure is Jesus. Maybe you've seen someone 
in front of you do that teaching where they put rocks in a jar. And then they put gravel in. And then they put sand in and, and water. And each time the, the person says, so, so can I put any more in here? And when they put the rocks in, there's no more room for rocks. And the, the group usually answers no, unless they've seen it before. And then they pour some gravel in. And then they say, is there room for more? And usually the crowd is a little bit more divided, but some still say no. And then they pour some sand in. And then the leader says, is there room for more? And people are beginning to think there must be. He pulls out a jug of water and pours water in. And then he asks what the moral of the story is. And people usually say, there's always room for more. And that's how many of us live our life. And right now, we're run ragged. Friends, the point of the story is, you put the big rocks in first. You put the important pieces in your jar of life. Right now, we're dealing with COVID, with restrictions, with competition in all kinds of ways, with desire for position or being in position and holding on to it or, or struggling in it because things are so different now. But friends, those things are not the important things in our lives, even if they feel important. I would ask you, what are your treasures? And if I surveyed the room, some of you would probably say, my loved ones. And those of us who are getting older, we might say, not just our loved ones, but the heritage that we'll leave behind. Or others might say, our positive impact on others. Can I say that all those things are valuable? All those things ought to be part of our living. But our real treasure, my friends, is Jesus the Christ. And when you read through the Gospels, Jesus is so often telling parables, stories that have a spiritual point. Maybe there's the one that you might remember where he talks about the pearl of great price. We used to laugh because my grandfather's wife, my grandmother, her name was Pearl. And so, of course, we would say she was of great price, and she would agree. But perhaps you know the story that Jesus talks about the treasure buried in a field and how the person who knows that sells everything to buy that field because of the great treasure. They gave away or sold off all of their other treasures in order to purchase the great treasure. Maybe you've struggled with the story of the talents where one is given five produces five more. One is giving two, produces two more. One is given one and hides that talent. And when the master comes back, the one who had five and produced five more is rewarded. The one who had two and produced two more is rewarded. But the one who took that talent, that treasure they were given, because they're not like you know, the ability to whistle or something, talents. They're like, it's a valuable piece of money. The person who took theirs and hid their treasure had the treasure taken away, and they were rebuked. Friends, if you pay attention, all of these parables are actually stories of the treasure of Jesus coming to people. The pearl of price is of great price is Jesus. 
The treasure in the field is Jesus. The talents invested, that's Jesus. And Jesus given away to others, producing fruit. Luke 19 is our scripture today. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Beginning at verse 29, as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Now, If you're a Jesus follower, can I just give you just a a hint? Sometimes Jesus asks us or tells us to do things that we don't quite understand. Now, if you're like me and you're a processor, you like to understand. Anybody like that? You like to understand before you do. Isn't that right? Can I tell you? In this case, that's a part of my humanity that I need to subdue and just do what Jesus says. And the same for you. If Jesus says do it, just do it. You can ask him for understanding. He quite often will give it. But just do what he would have us do. So these folks, who does this? So the donkey would be like someone's pickup truck today used for hauling stuff around, right? Simple, like not, a, not one of the fancy, you know, the new ones that you can't put anything in the, in the bed because you don't want to scratch it up. But I mean like a, you know, like a pickup truck, you know, 20 years old, you know, not worth a lot but valuable to you if you've got it, valuable to your friends if they're your friend. So there's this donkey and these disciples are told, just go, just go. There's going to be a donkey when you get there. Just untie it and bring it here. And, and if anybody asks you, just say, the Lord needs it. Well, can you imagine if, if someone said to you today, uh, so there's going to be a, an old F-100 pickup truck. I used to have one of those. Very hard to get rid of it. Just, just over there, about, well, about Kemney. Just go out there. And the keys will be in it. Just get in, start it up, and bring it back here to Bethel. You would go, um, send Pastor Glenn. Wait, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Like, couldn't someone else go? Because this is kind of, it seems a little silly. But they did it because Jesus said The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Picture that. This is the person who owns it and their family. And they're like, so, um, so the donkey. Why, Why are you untying it? And they replied, the Lord needs it. Now, it may not have been quite as context-free as you and I might read this. Because this was an area where Jesus had been many times. And it's quite possible that these disciples 
would have been recognized by the owners of the donkey as belonging to Jesus. And so while they asked them, they may have gone, when they said, okay, the Lord needs it, they might have gone, right, Jesus. And they did the right thing and stopped the questioning and, like, take the donkey. So they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. So, so the disciples put their outer garments on the colt for him to sit on. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Now, usually we just skip past this part. But friends, this is like rolling out the red carpet when you haven't got a red carpet. And, you know, if, if the king suddenly appears, the king's people want to give a royal welcome. And that's what they were doing. They put their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, such a significant place in our history, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. These people knew who was coming. Jesus was riding along on a donkey's colt. King Jesus. And they began to shout. And usually we read this in a really solemn, sober, quiet voice. We say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But that's not how they were saying it, friends. Have you ever been, like, to a world championship parade? Like when the Raptors won the Larry O'Brien? My son was there. He was blown away at how excited people were. And honestly, my son, who's usually Mr. Pretty Self-Contained, he was one of those people jumping up and down and shouting at the top of his voice. He was excited because they'd won the world championship. How much more excited would we be if we were in the crowd that day as King Jesus rode along coming, because we know where he was going, on the road to provide redemption for every person who would receive it from him. I'd be shouting, wouldn't you? I might even be dancing. And thankfully, you'd be looking at Jesus, not me, if I was dancing. But I bet some of you would be dancing too. In fact, some of you who struggle with, you know, this worship where people get all excited, some of you would be worshiping just like that. And can I suggest, get over that, oh, churches to be so sober thing. And begin worshiping Jesus with abandon. Because in heaven, my friends, it's going to be like this every day. And that's going to be fantastic. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the... Pharisees in the crowd, the ones that liked the law, said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Did you ever see people that just get it totally wrong? Did you ever, did you ever, I have people like that in my life. Sometimes I'm him. We don't want to get Jesus wrong. And Jesus replied to them and said, I tell you, 
If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I don't think that was hyperbole. I think the excitement level in all of creation and in heaven was so great that that was actually the truth. That the stones created by God would call out in worship if the people didn't. Matthew and Mark, in their accounts of this moment, they include the waving of palm branches. People were wildly cheering Jesus. They were placing their cloaks on the road for his donkey to walk on. Who knows what shape those cloaks would be in after the donkey had passed over. Because there were probably people following along behind as well. They were waving palm branches to celebrate their arriving king. Now there's a bit of a joke in our family about if you're really being looked after, someone is feeding you grapes and waving palm branches, you know, to keep you cool on that beautiful, warm beach by the ocean. And we say that, you know, thinking that would be extravagant. That's why they were waving palm branches. Their hands weren't enough. They wanted more. They wanted to express their joy, their worship more. So they, they ripped palm branches off trees and started waving them. Can you picture the scene? Can I tell you something? Jesus received all of that worship. He, he actually likes our extravagant worship. Sorry, that mic wasn't working. Jesus actually likes our extravagant worship. They were waving palm branches to celebrate their arriving king, and they were expressing their joy at this glimpse of their deliverer. They just didn't understand how he was going to do the delivering. And I'm not going to steal the thunder from next weekend, Pastor Mike, but oh. Easter weekend, our deliverer, praise his holy name. Friends, Jesus is our treasure. In the jar of your life, Jesus is the first and most significant rock to place in your jar of life. In a time of COVID, Many of us are like Andrew, the teenager, who couldn't see much past the end of that plow and therefore couldn't really do what needed to be done well. Yes, ground was churned up. Yes, you could have put seed in there and turned it over, but you wouldn't have grown nearly the crop that you could. In a time of COVID, our temptation is to look far too close to ourselves at our circumstances and take our eyes off Jesus and what he's calling us to do. Did you know that following each worldwide pandemic since Jesus came, many, many people have come to know and follow Jesus. 
It's my expectation that when the restrictions come off, we're going to have all kinds of people looking to the church for eternal answers. And we have the eternal answers. Friends, you don't need a PhD in theology to tell someone that Jesus is who they need. You don't need a PhD in theology. You don't need a master of religious arts. You just need to know Jesus and share him with others. Jesus is their answer, and he is our treasure to give. Jesus is the treasure who lives in us. You know, if I had a lot of money in my wallet, and I don't, but if I did, and I left my wallet somewhere and someone took it, I would only lose money, right? I might lose my ID as well. But I can never leave, lose Jesus because he lives within me. When you open yourself to him, not only does he forgive your sin and clean you up, which is a fantastic gift. Pastor Mike and I got saved in the same church around the same time. I think I'm older, so I was probably before you, brother. So he's like nodding his head, oh, amen, you are older. <laughs> yes, praise the Lord. This is his moment for today. Let him enjoy it. But friends, I know who I was, and I know how Jesus has changed me. And I'm so thankful that he changes people who are a mess and gives them literally a new life. The DNA is the same, but the life is transformed. Jesus is the treasure who lives in us, and Jesus is the treasure that we get to give away. If you, if you had a bag of gold here, full of gold coins. You could give that treasure away, couldn't you? And, and there'd be so many of us willing to receive from you that by the time we were all gone, your bag would be empty and you would no longer have a treasure. But the cool thing about Jesus as the treasure who lives in us, as we give him away to others, his presence and reality grows in us. So as we give the treasure of Jesus away, the treasure in us grows and we become more like him and eligible for more reward. Jesus is the treasure we get to give away. And so many of us are afraid to tell someone about Jesus. What if, what if they're offended? Well, that's a question. Here's one I like better. What if they're redeemed? What if they're made new? What if they're given new life? And then when you stand before the Lord and he's handing out rewards, I think that person who you led to Jesus is going to be right there saying, give him more. Lord, give her more, Lord. Because remember, they told me about you, and I think they deserve more. Jesus is the treasure we get to give away. Folks, there are churches 
pardon me, that are preparing to give Jesus to others in some creative ways as the restrictions ease and people are more free to move about. I'm convinced, and I talked about this yesterday a bit with the team, that you're going to have opportunity to do many memorial services. And it may not just be your pastoral team, although I think they may be busy. So if you come in on a Sunday morning and the the pastor or all the pastors look waxed, ask them what's been going on. And if they say, I did 11 memorials this week, you be thankful because hundreds of non-Jesus-knowing people will have heard about Jesus and the promise of eternity through your pastors. But I think some of you, because your neighbor or your coworker or your friend knows that you know Jesus, some of you are going to have people come to you likely and say, we need to do a celebration of life for my sister, and we don't have a clue how to do it. And we're not connected to any church or anything, but we know you are religious. Don't, don't bristle when they say that. So could you help us? And you may find yourself doing the first service you've ever done as a memorial for someone you never met and telling the people who are there about Jesus, giving your treasure away. Wouldn't that be a great privilege? Friends, if it really should be you, please don't tag out and have the pastor go. You're the one who's invested Jesus into that relationship. And so when they come to you, and it may not be your friend, it may be that person at work who can't stand you because you're religious, who comes to you and asks for help. You give them Jesus. Other churches are offering grief share, just helping people understand and process what they've been through. Others are providing life training for the future, like the Resilient Mind course by clergycare.org, which I think is fascinating. Because people are aware they've been ground down by pandemic. And if we can teach them ways to not be ground down in times of crisis, they will lap it up. And in the process, they'll hear about Jesus. People are preparing to discuss eternal questions with our neighbors. It can be as simple as playing bocce in the park. Our general superintendent, Dave Wells, was in the park the other day. He and his wife, and I think their grandkids, they were within the rules, which was good, and they were playing bocce. And there were folks at a table just over beside them who began talking with them. Muslim folks. They became friends with the Wells playing bocce and teaching these folks how you play bocce. And this other family saying, you must have kebabs with us. So they cooked kebabs and, on their little hibachi and shared them with the Wells. And I'm not sure if that fit within the, the guidelines or not, but praise the Lord anyways. Now they have a relationship, and they've been giving Jesus away to these folks. Friends, the church is preparing to give Jesus to others, all with the intention that as we give our treasure away, others will catch a glimpse of our soon-coming king, and that they'll be able to be in the crowd on that Palm Sunday in heaven 
when we wave the branches and shout out our cheers and give glory to Jesus himself. The church has one main task. You ever wonder why we don't just come to Jesus and go to heaven? It's because he said this to us, go, make disciples. When we go to heaven, that's what he's going to ask us about. Did you make disciples? And our answer is going to be yes. Friends, have you had a glimpse of the king? Have you maybe got a sense that Jesus wants to come into your life? Because there could be people here right this morning, I hope there are, who are like, I need, I need that Jesus. I need that change. I need eternal life. Perhaps you're here and you're religious. You may have been going to church for years, but you suspect that not only do you need religion, you need a deliverer, someone who will set you free, someone who will change your life so that you will feel like dancing and shouting and singing praise to God. Perhaps you've never had space for religion, but you have some chains in your life that you need someone to break off. I expect in a group this size, there are people we have some chains. And the good news is, Jesus has never met a chain that he couldn't and wouldn't break for someone who would just offer that chain or those chains to him. If you need Jesus, he's here for you. He's here not just as the Savior who lives inside so many who are in this room, but he's here in spirit, he's here in a very real way if you will just ask him to come in and change your life. Ask him to set you free. Ask him to clean up your life. Ask him to rebuild your broken parts. The Apostle Paul, I love the Apostle Paul's writing. So, so honest. Owns who he is and has been. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he wrote this. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I think this could be the, the mantra of Bethel for Brandon. Ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Today I'm thinking about Palm Sunday and looking at Jesus riding on that donkey, heading towards the cross and the redemption of billions of people who were lost. His face set as he proceeded on the plan of God. And the people worshipped him. Today we worship him on Palm Sunday. And we recognize, like the Apostle Paul, that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay were just clay pots. Nothing special, but friends, the treasure inside. 
We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you ever think you're not really good enough to tell people about Jesus? It's actually part of the plan of God. It's a clay pot. The treasure is inside. All this for your benefit. So the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. My friends, today I remind you that Jesus is your treasure. Keep your eyes on him. Pastor Mike, thank you for the opportunity to preach to the congregation God has called you to. God bless you. And God bless you, folks. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook. Thank you.